I was driving through the desert. And if you're familiar with Arizona, that's really easy to do. There's a lot of desert out here. So I was driving through the desert, listening to a podcast, letting the miles go by. And then all of a sudden I hear this beep, beep. And it's like, what in the world? I looked down at my gauges and all of a sudden I noticed my gas light come on. Now my car also has that feature, which the majority of cars do. It has that feature where it shows you how many miles you have left. And immediately I thought, oh no, because it said I had 40 miles. So I quickly got out my GPS and looked at the closest gas station. It was 50 miles away. I was like, what in the world am I gonna do? So I slowed down just a little bit, hoping that I could eke out a few more miles. As I got closer and closer, that, that number just kept dropping and dropping. And then all of a sudden, that number came to zero. And I wasn't there. So I kept driving. And lo and behold, I actually made it to the gas station. A miracle, right? Isn't that, isn't that miraculous? Or is it? I mean, when you stop and think about it, is maybe that gauge was off, or maybe it was they realized that there would be dummies like me who would drive a car, and they figured, okay, we're going to tell them there's 40, but there's actually 60 miles left, so that way, you know, because some people are just going to push the edge, and they're going to be forgetful. Is there such things as a miracle? Or are they just natural phenomena that we just don't yet understand? That's the subject we're looking at today here at Monodia. And as normal, we are welcomed by my partner. And as you, she puts, as they put the camera on her, you'll notice she has a fabulous new haircut, which I'm very <laughs> envious of. I, I have the same haircut Thank every you. single Every uh -huh. week, mm -hmm. same haircut. <laughs> Tired of it. Tired of it. Yeah, you could really go for a change. Yeah, couldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Have a little hair on both sides and in the back. That's all it's going to be. Oh, I don't think so. And then another person, unfortunately, we invited the wrong person to join us today. I think, yeah. That... <laughs> this person is far from phallically challenged. <laughs> far? She is blessed. Yes. A lot of hair. Yes. Today we have with us Sarah McFarland. She is a grad student at ASU, and she volunteered to come up and be with us today. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, I'm Great. excited to hear about all your wisdom in these areas. Now, the reason, we, the real reason why I invited Sarah to be with us is we have the opportunity occasionally. She works for my wife, and we have the occasion uh, to sit together and talk and. I just love her, her hair's okay, but I love her, I love her mind, that, that which her hair hides. She's got an amazing mind. She asks great questions, she has neat ideas, and I thought, wow, what a treat to bring her here on Monodia. So again, thank you, Sarah, for, for being with us. Thank you, I hope I live up to the expectation now. You really gave me a good, a right. good talk he up. sets yeah. the bar high, yeah. yeah, Yeah, I do that on purpose, because it makes you look worse, makes the rest of us look better. Perfect. <laughs> Charity, my charity, oh my gosh. <laughs> Janelle, I looked right at you. <laughs> Janelle, um, Yo. you have anything to share with us as far as uh, from the Bible when it comes to miracles? Oh, there's a few. I, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> I just saw the other day there was like 44 different miracles 
throughout oh. the Gospels. Wow. So if how I do mean, we pick which ones to read? Well, I will let you choose that. I think I've chosen a couple that are pretty, pretty um, significant. Um, the first is from Luke 5, 4 to 6. It's about uh, fish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fish story. Isn't that the fish story? The where fish the, story. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah. this big. Yeah. Okay. No. It, when, instead, it's this many. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a quantity thing. Not Very a, good, Tony. There you go. <laughs> so when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Yeah. Miracle one. Sarah. Yes. Do you, uh, do you fish? Occasionally I cry a lot though when I do. Because? Because I have to like, gut the fish. Oh, oh, you don't like that? No, I feel really bad. So this story is probably one of those that you're not going to resonate with. It. Not a miracle for me, but for them, I'm, I'm really happy. It's like we were watching alone the other night, you know? Yeah, to try to catch a fish. Yeah, and they're, and they're in the wilderness, yeah. and it's they cry when they get an animal, like they kill the deer, yeah. and it's very emotional, right? Because they're very hungry, but oh. then I'm like, oh my gosh, the poor deer. <laughs> well, before, before Sarah has a breakdown, let's go to the second miracle. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll hurry here. Uh, the second miracle is Matthew 9, 32 to 33. Uh, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Miracle number two. And we are not going to ask Sarah if she has a demon or not. Oh. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll skip that subject. We'll, we'll save her after the podcast, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, so we will take a short break, and then Tony, you're going to enlighten us with uh, a monologue about miracles. I'm going to try. Okay. Eighty percent of Americans believe in miracles. Are you one of them? Are you? Have you experienced a miracle or do you know of someone who has? Now, in order to answer that, I, I want to give you a definition, and I went to the Oxford Dictionary online, and what they said is that a miracle is a non-explicable natural or scientific law that has been broken. There's some way, either some agent, and it's usually considered a divine agent, that intervenes to bring about this miracle. And the majority of individuals would attribute that to God, a God of some type. That God could either be using the natural law or move above it or actually break the natural law to make that happen. Back in January of 1975, Reverend Nelson wrote a sermon entitled, When Water Runs Uphill. When we saw that title, it immediately piqued my interest because of the idea that this is, it just doesn't happen. Or does it? As I read through this sermon that he wrote, it amazed me on how progressive his ideas were. And so I want to share that with you. 
And Nelson in here will discuss Jesus's miracles and he will raise the following points. Number one, Nelson does not believe that all miracles that Jesus did were literal historical events. Now, it's convenient because he doesn't tell us in this sermon what miracles he saw as being real or which were just fictitious. When you look at different scholars, scholars will tell us that Jesus perhaps was a healer or Jesus perhaps carried out and cast out demons. There's some that say that's a possibility. When it comes to Jesus and nature, the story about the fish or Jesus calming the, the sea, nah, the majority of scholars would say didn't happen. So again, Nelson gives us this opportunity to think about that not all these miracle stories are actually literally true. Now, but again, think about that, 1975. That's pretty amazing that he was talking about this. And it wasn't something that he just wrote. This was a sermon that he actually preached. The second point that Nelson makes in this sermon is that the miracle stories were either created by his followers or they were events that his followers elaborated over time. It's kind of like what we talked about, that fish story. You know, the fish I caught was this big. The next time I tell the story, it's this big, and, and so on. That's the exact same idea that Nelson says happened with a lot of these stories. And what caused them to either create or elaborate these was the power that they saw within Jesus. Here's a quote from that sermon. What Jesus was and what he did, as much as what he said, left unforgettable impressions upon his followers. There was a power that came through him, a sense of presence that was purely awesome. Now, that's interesting, his point that he makes here. It is this sense of power that they felt coming off of Jesus. And it was through that lens, it was, it was that lens that kind of colored the, and changed the hue of the different events that transpired while Jesus was here on this earth. And that became the means by which they told these stories. And finally, the third point that Nelson makes is he explains how miracles actually took place, how Jesus did these. And what he believed is that Jesus reaches down into the depths of life and he finds the power of God just waiting to be released. And what Jesus does is he taps into that power. But what gets a little interesting here is when you read through the rest of the sermon, all of a sudden you realize that this power of God is, seems to be synonymous with the power of nature. And I would love to be able to, to talk with Nelson and ask him, does he believe that the power of God equals the power of nature? And then if that's true, is God in nature seen as one? And that opens up all sorts of different questions. The other thing that I found very interesting is he says there are mental and spiritual energies untapped around all of us. So again, miracles don't seem to be something that wears this inbreaking into our world by this uh, external agent, but rather what miracles are 
is actually tapping into the powers of nature and that which is around us. And when you tap into those, miraculous things happen. And finally, Nelson says, the world is a miracle. And he said, be aware of possibilities all about us. Now, again, there would be some individuals who listen to this carefully, or if they had the opportunity to read this sermon, they would think, man, are we talking about someone who believes in God, or are we talking about a naturalist? And can we separate those two? Now, for those of you who might find this traveling, you begin to think, well, wait a minute. Here's Nelson. It seems like he's casting out and doesn't believe in miracles. For those of you who do believe in miracles, I have a few questions for you. Number one, do miracles occur in trivial and major events in life? For example, in the story, we often hear of an individual who either comes down with some kind of a disease, a cancer, or something, and then all of a sudden, the doctor walks in and says, I can't explain what happened, but I looked at your test, I looked at your uh, MRI, and get, it's gone. I can't explain this. Is, that would be seen as being a miracle. But what about the person who is short on rent. Maybe they even use the money in a way that month that wasn't necessarily the wisest, and because of that choice, they ended up short, short of money for pay rent, pay utilities, and then all of a sudden, right before it's due, they go out to the mailbox one day, and yes, we still do get mail, and they opened it up and then realized that there was a check they weren't expecting, and it was just enough to cover their expenses. Is that a miracle? Is the first one a miracle? Is God only intervene for you when he has these major events? Or is God active in these trivial events that often happen to people, and they often attribute to God? Someone gets into college. Someone, such as Sarah, takes an exam and gets an A and you study that hard for it, and then gets an eight. Is that a miracle? Second question is, if God is the agent of miracles, how does God decide when to intervene or not? That's a hard one. I mean, when you think about it, in some ways, we love it when we can see God intervene and or think God is intervening and say, oh, that's a miracle. But then on the other side of that, what happens when God doesn't intervene and the person does die of cancer and Sarah flunks her test instead of gets an A for, on it? Where was God in that? So do we, you almost come up with this idea of this fickle God that sometimes will intervene and other times won't. If you believe in miracles, how do you wrestle with that? And then finally, number three. Are miracles labeled such because we don't know yet the scientific explanation or the natural explanation behind it. I mean, I look back and some of the things that people believed were miracles, 50, 100, 200, you go on back in time if you want. Something happens and the only explanation is that there is some kind of divine external force that made that happen. But yet now we understand that we have an explanation for it. So when is it a miracle? 
Or when is it just our ignorance that doesn't allow us to understand? When I look at these ideas of no miracle versus everything's a miracle or might be a miracle, I probably tend to come down on a, on a statement that was made by L. Michael White, who's from Harvard. And it shaped, his statement shapes how I look at the Bible. And it's the following. The miracle story is not interested in whether it ever happened or not. People believed that miracles happened all the time. In fact, we know that miracles were commonplace. I mean, we have external documents from the Bible that actually tell us about different miracles that happened within the Egyptian culture or the Greek culture or the Roman culture. These miracles that take place. So if other people perform them, why not Jesus? He's this great teacher, a great person of wisdom. Then he continues and he says, the point is that the story is a statement about the beliefs of those who told the stories and their belief in the person who they say made it happen. In other words, the stories are more about a person's beliefs than they are about worrying about reality or non-reality of miracles. And that's how we have to look at miracle stories in the Gospels. To summarize, what he's basically saying is instead of getting hung up on if this literally happened or it could not happen, instead step back and read these stories and use them as a means to understand those who wrote these, what they, it was about, what they believed about Jesus, and then why they believed that. That completely changes how we read the Gospels, but it doesn't take us away from the question, do miracles happen? In order to answer that, I'm going to need help. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to be joined with Sarah and Janelle, and we're going to discuss this. If you have any questions, if you're watching live right now, if you have any questions you'd like to chime in, Janelle's going to tell you how to do that when we come back. And then second of all, if you're listening to this as a podcast, and if you hear something that you agree with or disagree with, you can email us. And Janelle, again, will give you that email. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. say it's a miracle that I'm here today. Well, before you do that, can you just real quick tell people if they want to interact with us? And then I want oh, to find sure. out how, why it's a miracle. <laughs> Did you almost run out of gas? No. Oh, okay. A little bigger than that. Okay. If you want to get in contact and be a part of this conversation, please go to our YouTube channel and you can go into the chat 
and chat a question there. You can also do that in our Facebook. You can go to the chat area and I'll be monitoring that. And you can also um, send us an email, if this is after the fact, to media at beatitudeschurch.org. So, All right. I'm with why the conversation. Is it a, why is it a miracle? The dialogue. Yeah, why is it a miracle? About 11 years ago, okay. I had a huge, significant miracle occur, in my, my opinion. Okay. I had a brain aneurysm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So after all of it, my surgeon, he said to me, you do realize that you shouldn't be here, that it's a miracle that you're even walking. This was after the fact, when I had the follow-up. Did all your rehab. So here's a neuroscientist, a neurosurgeon, right. sorry, telling me that I was a walking miracle. Do you believe in miracles? What about you, Sarah? I'm undecided, I think. Yeah? I think in the moment, sometimes I feel miracles, mm -hmm. but it depends on the mm -hmm. situation and how I feel about it, right? So mm -hmm. based off of punishment and reward, I think of miracles in that way. So oh. more of as, as a consequence of an action rather than necessarily. Yeah. Well, and that I think would be interesting. And, and in no way, let me clarify real quick before I say this comment. Mm. If, like yourself, if yeah. someone believes that a miracle happened in their life, mm -hmm. I'm not going to discount that. I mean, that would be completely wrong to say, right. well, no, 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 that's not a miracle. Mm -hmm. But here's my question. What? This neuro... Um, surgeon. Surgeon. I would be interested to know if he is... Top neurosurgeon, I need to clarify. Top in neurosurgeon. In the country. In the country. Dr. Spetzler was his name. I would be interested to know if he was a believer in some type of God mm -hmm. and if that influenced how he saw and used the word miracle. Or True. was he an atheist and uses the word miracle in the sense of this is something we just can't explain. I, I That, you know, I, and I think that's what often happens is that someone who is a knowledgeable in a given field, mm -hmm. especially in the areas of science or and medicine. Science. And then all of a sudden they say, I just don't know. I, I, this shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Do they, does that automatically make it a miracle? And does it automatically using that word involve God? Or can you use the word miracle in the sense of just saying it's something I can't explain? Perhaps for myself. Mm -hmm. Scientifically, I could understand that they were able to fix the aneurysm, and that's not a big miracle. Correct. The science is there. Right. What was a miracle for me was the timing. The fact that my husband woke and saw me having a seizure at 5 a.m., and then the fact that I got to the hospital in time and they were able to diagnose it. And then the fact that there happened to be a chopper at that hospital that air vacuumed me downtown. And the fact that Dr. Spetzler was on call that night. So <laughs> the timing of that seems to me to have sort of a divine hand behind it. That's what my belief is. Right. And so my question is... Um... 
You can't do, scientifically do you want line me to, that up. Do you want me to push it's back? It's not coincidental. Are you comfortable? I'm not saying it's coincidental. Right. Are you comfortable with me doing a pushback on that? Of course. Okay. Because when it comes to something personal like that, I, yeah. to me, you have to respect where another person's at. Uh-huh. And, and so if I was to talk to someone just straight out, I, I wouldn't say, well, no, 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 no. I mean, I would just probably be, keep my mouth shut. Right. Okay. So my thing is... If, as soon as you allow some type of external force, mm -hmm. God, yes, to in, to be a part of this, then the questions would be: Did why did God allow you to have this brain aneurysm to begin with? Why didn't God just stop it? God could have miraculously healed you so internally, so you wouldn't have had to have the brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. um, did God say, "Well, look, we're going to do the brain aneurysm, and it's going to be only when Janelle's husband is home"? Because if he, he's not home, then she's not going to be able to have someone help her. Uh -huh. And we're going to do it at 5 o'clock in the morning while her husband maybe is in the... He's coming out of rim, and so he's more awake. Whereas <laughs> if we did it at 1 o'clock in the morning, then all of a sudden it's like, maybe he's not going to wake up, and that's not going to work. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden you can line these things up and say, then God has to get so involved in all of these things. Yes. And then the person, like my uncle who just retired, moved to Tennessee, living on top of Lookout Mountain. His, his home overlooks this beautiful lake. Uh -huh. And one morning he gets up and he walks out into his shed. Mm -hmm. And his wife gets up, goes into the kitchen, starts making breakfast, and looks out. Uh -huh. And all she sees is two feet, two feet extending out of the shed. Oh, no. He died of a brain aneurysm. Oh. So why you and mm -hmm. not my uncle? I don't know the why, but I do know that... Okay, well, let's clarify. I'm a theist. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I believe in an intervening God. So I don't necessarily think of it as a bad thing. Okay. Sarah, chime in. What this raises for me question-wise is the predetermination aspect of it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Are you predetermined to have a miracle put upon you and others are not predetermined to have that? And how would you answer that? I don't know. I'm not quite sure how I would feel about that. Yeah. But you hear there's people that I know in my life that are wonderful, wonderful human beings mm -hmm. who have been dealt cards that I don't think they should have been dealt. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, when are they going to get their miracle or why are they not getting a miracle? And where does that stem from? Well, for myself, it turned into a, my attitude about it. So, yeah, you know, most people don't want to have their brain cracked open and <laughs> surgically manipulated. But what it did for me was um, it was miraculous. It was a change in my whole demeanor. And it was for the, for the good, for the positive. Right. So... I, again, that's where if someone believes in a miracle, I don't know if it's wise for those who maybe look at miracles as more of a natural phenomena mm -hmm. to, to, to say to them, no, you're wrong. Right. And then, and then I think about, you know, the, Jesus. And while Jesus was here on this earth, I, again, it goes back to what you just said, Sarah. Why did Jesus heal some people and not others? 
there's also an element of um, human, ha, the human has a desire to be amazed and to be filled with wonder psychologically, I think. Would you agree? I would agree with that, yeah. Right. Why? Why would you agree? Because there's so much going on in our lives, and psychology is obviously biopsychosocial, which means there's many factors behind how our psychology works. Yeah. But there's an element of we, we crave that, we want that, we want good things to happen to us, mm -hmm. and the possibility of those things happening to us unexpectedly is exciting. Right. Sort of like magic. Yeah. Like you want it to be true. And real. <laughs> you should not have used that word. <laughs> she, she, she hit the dinger. Magic. <laughs> exactly. So why is it? Bring why, it. Why is it? Why did you call it a miracle and you didn't call it magic? Because of my, because I like to, t um, to, to tie religious significance to it. That's me. Okay. Magic to me is not religious. <laughs> so do you think there's anything that could transpire in your life mm -hmm. that would be um, an atrocity, something terrible that would happen, mm -hmm. that would shake your faith in God? And then all of a sudden it would be like, I got a miracle. This person that I love and care, they didn't get a miracle, and now mm -hmm. they're dead, or mm -hmm. they're a quadriplegic, or they're, um, or they're in prison. Mm-hmm. Why, why, I mean, this, this turned out well for you and right. it had a positive impact on your life. Yes. What if it, to someone I else. Think momentarily in the moment, right away, I would be maybe in that frame of mind. But I think as time went on, I would be able to digest it and marinate in it. And I'm going to come to a different conclusion. And that is that it was for the better. Mm. Do you think that ties back to, people always talk about it as in God's plan, right. God's plan for me. Mm -hmm. Like miracles are associated to God's plan for you. Mm -hmm. And then people get to say when a loved one dies or something terrible happens, they don't fully acknowledge it, but in a way it's like that was God's plan for that person. Yeah, and, I, and I've been, I've watched ministers tell people Mm -hmm. when something terrible has happened, that that was God's will. I've been in funerals where they've read poems that God reached down and in this garden of life, he picked out this flower, which is a person's life, because he needed it for his garden in heaven. I, <laughs> I mean, if you have well, enough, I guess if you have enough faith in God and if yeah. you have a belief in God that is strong enough, then I would say kudos for you. Mm -hmm. But I remember a picture that I saw, and it was m one of the most troubling images that, it, it's one of those images that just got etched in my mind. And it's of this little girl who's deformed, and you can't tell if it was through a natural, her birth, mm -hmm. or if a tragic event had happened to her. Okay. And with a deformed hand, she's writing on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. And it says, F you, God. Hmm. Uh, so it goes back to what you were saying, Sarah, is, is if God has a plan, how, how do we explain this all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God when he'll intervene in your life mm 
mm -hmm. but not in others. I mean, how about you? And you, I mean, when you talk with friends, do the majority of your friends accept this idea of miracles? And when, how do they deal with this question, these questions? I think they accept miracles when they're larger in, in scale, which is another interesting portion That's of it. That's interesting, yeah. Right, like yeah. when something really good or monumental happens, yeah. then it's a miracle. But if they found $20 on the street, they wouldn't categorize that as, as a, miracle. a miracle. Unless right. they needed that $20 to pay their rent. Possibly, but that goes back to connected to a bigger piece bigger of piece. life, right? right. Yeah, like... My question to y'all was, um, where do we go with an event that's in violation of a scientific law? That's big to me. That's like a huge event that she's like she's talking about. I guess my first reaction to that is, I mean, when I just stop and think about our minds mm -hmm. and how much we continue to learn about our brains. Mm-hmm. And then I think about how we use those brains and the different things we are discovering. I mean, I think one of the most challenging things that, that we're going through right now is COVID-19. And one of my frustrations is, you know, on one side we say, well, just listen to science. But you can't do that because this is a political issue because it involves people. Right. So it is political. Mm -hmm. And if we say, if we would just listen to the science, but we don't want to just listen to the science <laughs> because science is gonna continue to change. Yes. As this virus evolves, as we learn more about it, as we begin to learn different ways to deal with it from a scientific point of view, all of that is continually shifting. And what we want is this sense of a definitive answer. And I think sometimes what we have to realize is that science is this unveiling and a lot of things that we may not be able to explain, mm -hmm. there may be an explanation. It's just we don't know it yet. So a miracle, could it stand in the way or be an impediment to, a sci to science growing and getting better? <laughs> oh, man, you're asking. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of all those people that are not believing the science I'm thinking Are they of, waiting for a miracle? I'm thinking about Maybe the, they're thinking it's coming. I'm thinking about the parents mm -hmm. who choose not to get their child medical care because God is going to do a miracle. And that child dies. Mm -hmm. Hello? Uh, right, but... <laughs> because God's supposed to step in and, and so, do something yeah, for but, them. But for, that's discounting their faith and, their, and, and the fact that maybe God will then you have to say that God wanted their kid to die. <laughs> We're talking after the fact? Yeah. The kid died. Yes. These are true. These, no, I know. These accounts I know. happen. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just wondering. Sorry, I'm getting worked up. <laughs> We need our Snickers bar <laughs> it's, on our other podcast, yeah, A Closer Look, which you do want to see. Um, we have a Snickers bar that we usually throw at him when he gets kind of worked up. Yeah, it's my pacifier. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though? That brings up this thought process for me. What? Is when I was younger, I have an immune disorder, so I've dealt with severe illnesses my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And as a child, I got West Nile. Mm. Um, and as a result of having West Nile, I got bacterial meningitis, wow. which is really serious. That's wow. Yeah, Huge. it's, it's okay. very scary. I almost died. Yeah. Um, my spinal cord swell up, swelled up, and uh -huh. I was in the hospital 
for a prolonged amount of time. Was wow. that a miracle? Um, getting it or surviving it. <laughs> Great <laughs> right? question. Because mir miracles could be bad in certain situations, possibly. Hmm. Ooh. But well, I remember... That's a different way of looking at it. Yeah. But I remember as a child thinking... I must be a bad person, and that's why this is happening to me. I'm being punished because I'm not a good person, hmm. and and God is punishing me for being a bad person. And that was the concepts that I knew from my youth and what I had been instilled in me. Yeah. That good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Yeah. Therefore, I'm not getting a miracle, and this happened because I'm not a good person. Ouch. And, and you're having to continue to, to live with that. Yeah, why me? Why, me? why right. has this been something mm -hmm. that has been bestowed upon me? And not that I'm angry about it, because obviously there's many other factors. Like, it taught me resilience, and I have a uh -huh. great sense of humor now. I don't think I'd be as funny. Yes. <laughs> so then in some ways, I is it a miracle that. that I had it? Because it's shaped me so fundamentally in who I am today. Yeah, but what about the person who has a miracle done in their life? Mm -hmm. and, and again, I, I, I... This side of the table seems to be... That okay. Side. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going <laughs> to. So let's say someone um, has bacterial meningitis and they are about to die. And then all of a sudden something changes and they come back. Mm -hmm. And they say that's a miracle. Mm -hmm. Five years later, they come and they kill someone that you love. Still a miracle? Did God intervene and say, oh, yeah, we're going to save that person. <gasps> oh, shoot, I forgot. They're going to kill that another person five years. Oh, doggone it, I shouldn't have done that. The way that you make it sound is God is very busy. <laughs> like His exactly. schedule is packed. <laughs> and that's the, what's, that, um, what's that movie? Um, gosh, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's a movie where, Andrea, if you know the, the name of it, chime in. It's a movie where someone gets to be God for a period of time. Bruce Almighty? Yes. That's right. Great yes. film. It is. But that's it. It's almost like he's inundated with all these prayers. And it's like, well, what do uh -huh. I do? What do I not do? What do I do? All those emails. Are yeah. right. So at what point is it? You're right. You almost get this idea of God is like going, oh. Micromanaging. Yeah. It always raises the question for me, though, how predetermined is everything in that aspect? Yeah. Right. And right. Where, where's free choice, free will? Yeah. yeah. Like, do we get to roll the dice, but God decides how they land regardless, you know? Mm-hmm. Good question. And I think for me, while I do have questions about miracles, mm -hmm. both in the Bible and in modern day, I'm not going to impose those upon other people. And make them believe and, and discourage them from believing something. Because if that's what they need in their life to mm -hmm. make it through those events, mm -hmm. where I think the advantage of being around people that maybe don't necessarily believe in miracles is that when you as an individual begin to have questions, you know there's someone else you can talk to. And I mean, if you're in a community where everyone say, believes in, in miracles yeah. and you begin to have doubts, you just got to swallow and, you know, buck it up and keep your mouth shut. But if you're around people that maybe you find someone that says, okay, 
I'm not going to tell you if this was or wasn't a miracle, but I'm going to help you think through it. I'm mm-hmm. going to help you explore it. Mm-hmm. I think there's power in that. Tremendous amount of power. And very few and far between our communities that do that, I believe, probably. And, and my question is why? why? Why don't we have a more tentativeness I mean, and I don't know if you want to share, but you had mentioned sometimes that you are around people that are very definitive in what they believe or not believe. Yes. How, how does that, I mean, is that, I guess, do you avoid talking about religion? What do you, how do you do that? I don't think so because I find it interesting to gain their perspective mm-hmm. and being different doesn't intimidate me. So I think there's value okay. in understanding people's thought process Mm-hmm. even if I don't necessarily agree with it. But I also give a lot of stock in the fact that I know enough to know that I don't know anything. Yes. And so I like to discuss anything with anyone. And it is irritating sometimes when you're around people that don't necessarily want to take multiple looks or angles or play devil's advocate and things. Right. But I do think people are entitled to their feelings. And I also understand a lot about people and that we're scared of things that we don't understand and things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you've been raised a certain way with a certain belief system, it's terrifying to think that that could not be true or there's other possibilities out there. But some people are not even on the level of contemplating that there's other ideas. So, so if someone was to challenge you and, and said to you, Sarah, you know what, just get off the fence, come on. All you want to do is you want to <laughs> go through life easy, right? You just want life easy. You want to be on the fence. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, yeah. right? Wait a minute. She's curious. So I what? don't know if that's but, copying they, they, out. Take that's... a stand, <laughs> doggone it. Take a stand, and then once you take your stand, then you can admit if you were right or wrong. Quit, quit sitting on the fence. Okay. <sighs> I don't mean that to you personally. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but how would you react to someone who says that to you? I would probably think about what they've experienced in their life that has made them feel that way. And once you get off the <laughs> to be that convicted, <laughs> to be that convicted, and I yes. appreciate that quality, but <laughs> I don't. I'd be like, oh, that's interesting that you uh-huh. feel that way. I'm very empathetic, and I yes. I let my heart lead a lot of the time. <laughs> nice, and my love for people comes out in that way, like my patience and tolerance. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so I can just imagine Sarah sitting on this fence going, so what makes you feel that way? <laughs> I hit him with the ther- therapist talk all the time. Nice. And why do you think you feel like that? <laughs> I should start charging. Yes. In conversation. I, I agree. Come see Sarah while she sits on her fence. <laughs> Be on my fence. I'm gonna, that's my autobiography title. <laughs> the fence. The fence. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I... Have you ever witnessed a miracle? Do you believe... Like, I still don't know about you, if you actually... You're asking me to get off the fence. <laughs> I am, I am. There was a time in my life where I was, had a very theistic view of God. Mm-hmm. And that God was involved in everything. Okay. And from me finding a great deal on tires for my car mm-hmm. to my daughter being born healthy. Yeah. To my youngest daughter who had some lung issues that we were able to get her through, mm-hmm. find the right doctor. 
Um, and then I started to read more mm -hmm. and I could not deal with a fickle God. I just, I, I couldn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. Why God would do a miracle for some people and not others. I, I just, I couldn't. And, and so I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on the fence with Sarah. And I'm just going <laughs> to sit up there with her. It's a, it's a great place to it's be. It's a great It's fence. a great view, right? Yeah, I was just going to say. You can see both sides. Yeah, you can see, see, both, sides. <laughs> you can see both sides. See, that's why the advantage of this is this idea that the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm. Yeah. You know if it is or isn't because you're sitting on the fence. They're usually very similar but in different ways. Yeah. I had one person said, you know, if the question is, is there grass on the, if the grass is greener on the other side? Mm. And the person said, a lawn is a lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Arizona, everything is zero yes. escaped, so there's yeah. even no grass. That, rocks are rocks. It's not yeah. even an issue. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think that's where I would probably. You know, you're really wise. Sometimes. You know, for a 17 year old, you're not doing bad. Well, you know. Yeah, she's one of these. One of these. What do they call them? The the 17 year old who's in grad grad school already. Savant. Yeah, that's her. Oh no, I'm 24. I wish I. My youth has fleeted away from me. Very oh boy, that's a that's a subject for another day. Okay. But, I, but I think Sarah, you're wise. Yes. In that being able to say, yeah, if I, I'm willing to admit what I don't know. Yeah. And there's a to be honest, that's why when it comes to God, to me, it's a mystery. Yeah. And what God does or does not do in our world is a mystery. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell someone if they believe in a certain way about God or if that God has done certain things in their life. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. Right. We all need to be that. Right. I agree. And I just hope I have, and I hope for all of us as we come to a close here, I hope that all of us are able to do something that someone told me the other day. They said, just provide space for someone. Just be there for them. You don't have to argue and tell them they're right or wrong. Just hold space for them. Because eventually they're going to figure it out. And they may not agree with you, or they might. But just hold space for them and allow them to do that journey. And I think that's the beauty of having an open mind. And to be honest, I think that's what, in my, this is just my opinion, I think that's what Jesus did. Um, I think Jesus had this wisdom about him and his insight that he had of people that he just allowed them to be themselves. And he just said, hey, walk with me. Just walk with me. Follow me. Walk with me. Let's see where life takes us. So as whatever you're going to do this coming week, I hope that things go well for you. And in the midst of everything that's happening in our world, stay safe out there. <laughs>